Today's show is sponsored by the Dog Cancer Survival Guide, the best-selling book that helps you help your dog with cancer. Join the companion private support group at dogcancersupport.com and get the email newsletter at dogcancernews.com. So a common question that we'll get from some owners is, why can't I come in with my dog and stay with her until she's under and goes in the OR? There's two big reasons that that can't be accommodated. One is safety and the other is privacy. For safety, it's a hospital. There are needles, there are sharp tools, there are drugs, some of which are controlled substances, and it is not safe for someone who's not trained to be hanging out in the vet hospital as everyone's trying to get their work done. Welcome to Dog Cancer Answers, where we help you help your dog with cancer. Here's your host, James Jacobson. Hello, friends. Thanks for joining us today. Today is part two of our series on how to optimize your dog's success if he or she is having surgery, whether for cancer or any other type of surgery. Today, we are focusing on what to do on the day of surgery to ensure the best outcome. And joining us once again is our associate producer and licensed veterinary technician, Kate Baisdow. Kate, thanks for being with us. You're very welcome. Happy to be here. On the last episode, we talked about what to do before you are going into surgery. But this one is about the day of. So what do you do? It's the morning. What happens? Most important thing is no breakfast for your dog on the day of surgery. <laughs> it's no really breakfast. hard. Yep, yeah, you've got those puppy dog eyes. And I, with my dogs, I usually just don't feed anyone because if I fed one dog, <laughs> the other one be, would be like, what is this? And throw a fit. So <laughs> no one That's gets good. breakfast on the be day mean of surgery. Be mean to all of your pets. <laughs> yep, we all suffer together. <laughs> And then if after- Clarence has to go in for surgery, no one's getting breakfast. <laughs> exactly. At least until we leave in the car. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's good advice. Yep. And show up on time. If your veterinary team asked you to drop off between 8 and 8.30, plan on being there between 8 and 8.30. Um, sometimes you're able to get your surgery admission paperwork ahead of time. And so you can review that at home and have it all filled out and ready to go. If you're going to need to fill out paperwork on the day of the procedure, plan some time for that. Surgery drop-offs are not as quick as if you're doing a drop-off appointment for something basic like vaccines or just checking out an ear infection. Modern anesthesia is very safe for the most part, but there are still a lot of risks and things that you need to be aware of and that legally the veterinary team needs to be sure that you're aware of. So expect to be filling out some paperwork and signing some forms saying that you give permission to the veterinary hospital to do surgery on your dog for this procedure. A lot of times that paperwork will also include things like any vaccines that they require your dog to be current on. There's also usually a note on fleas because a vet hospital infested by fleas is a really bad time for everyone. So, <laughs> And they'll, that's the gift that keeps on giving, right? Yep. So most clinics have a policy that if they see a flea, the dog gets a flea treatment. Usually the product called Capstar, 
which starts working pretty much immediately to kill all the fleas on your dog and is cleared from the body within four to six hours. So it's a nice way to just hit them hard and clear up the problem, but they don't want to take any risk of having a pack of fleas infecting all of their (laughs) patients. Um, Other things that'll be on that paperwork is a DNR form, do not resuscitate, where you can say whether or not you want your dog to undergo CPR if they do go under cardi- go into cardiac arrest during the procedure. And they'll also want a phone number where you can be reached throughout the day just in case something happens and they need to get in touch with you or to keep you updated as the day progresses. Obviously use a cell phone. And is it a good idea to have like a backup person if, if you're not available? Like, you know, call this number first. And if I'm not available, then call this person. Yes, definitely. Because things happen. I live in a rural area where some people, their cell phone works when they're in town at work, but when they're at home, their phone doesn't have service. So that you need to call the home number. And sometimes phones don't ring. I'll have my phone will be sitting right next to me and suddenly it'll say, oh, you've got a voicemail. I'm like, what? It, it never rang. So it's good to have backup plans. Have backup and yeah. make sure your phone is charged. These little things, you know, just are kind of obvious. But in the heat of having to deal with a dog with cancer and then going in for surgery, you can forget these things. So these are good tips. What else? You can ask your the veterinary technician or the veterinarian, whoever's doing the admission, how their usual surgery day routine is. Some clinics stagger appointments with surgeries where the doctor Mm -hmm. might do a couple appointments, then do a couple surgeries and go back and forth. Other places lump surgical procedures. If you're going to a specialty clinic, most likely all that the surgeon is doing that day is surgeries. Mm -hmm. Um, Some practices also, like the specialty clinic down in Albany, New York, that does neurology, they do consult appointments in the morning. And sometimes if your pet needs an MRI, they'll do it the same day in the afternoon. Hmm. Usually with a surgery, it'll be scheduled in advance unless it's an emergency procedure. And why does knowing how the vet does things at their practice, why is that important? It just gives you peace of mind because so that you know when to expect the call that your dog is done. A lot of some places will call you when your dog is going under. Most don't do that. They'll usually call when your dog is waking up to say, it's done. They're good. They're waking up. Everything went fine. Or we have these concerns, so it's going to change the plan in this way. Things like that. But So it's good to know if they're going to be doing the surgery in the morning or in the afternoon. So that if the surgery is going to be at 2 o'clock in the afternoon, you aren't stressing out all morning. Where's my phone call? Where's my phone call? You've described me, yeah. So it is, <laughs> now I understand. So just understand how they work so that you're not like, they haven't called. This must be bad news. And that's yeah. the question. Like, is this known? You know, if you if it's going to be bad, they're going to contact you. They're not going to save that call for the end of the day. Yeah. If something goes horribly wrong or is found that's really unexpected in the middle of the procedure, they will call you right then. A lot of operating rooms have a phone in the OR so that the veterinarian can talk to you directly, or they'll have a staff member call you and relay it that way. Good stuff. What else you got, Kate? 
Um, so other things to expect on the day of the surgery, if you haven't done pre-anesthetic blood work ahead of time, your veterinarian is definitely going to recommend doing blood work that day. And that's to make sure that your dog's liver and kidneys are functioning normally and healthy and able to process the anesthesia. If there are problems, sometimes small blips, they'll just change their drug protocol to make it a little easier on your dog. Or if there are big concerns on the blood work, they might choose to postpone the surgery. Also, with dogs who have cancer, the veterinarian may want to do some x-rays or other imaging that morning mm. to check for metastases. Because if your dog is supposed to be having surgery to remove a lump in kind of an invasive place but already has mets in his lungs, it might not be worth putting him through the surgery. So surgery, is 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 that a pretty common thing for a dog? I mean, just to make sure that they know everything, they have the best eyes that they can by looking at the x-ray versus just before they go in. Yeah, usually for a routine surgery like a spay or a neuter, they aren't going to be doing x-rays ahead of time. But fairly often with dogs with cancer or suspected cancer, especially if it's an older dog, the veterinarian will recommend doing some x-rays ahead of time to check out the lungs for any metastases and also to check out the heart and make sure there aren't any obvious problems there. Great tips. Anything else? So things to bring with you. As you when you drop off your pet, are any medications that he's on? This is both so that you for sure are telling your veterinarian everything that your dog is on, which is especially important if you've been seeing multiple specialists or got a second opinion somewhere and might have medications from multiple different vet clinics, or if your dog is getting surgery at a specialty clinic and they may or may not have already gotten the records from your regular vet, should have, but things happen. So and does that, in, does that include ahead. things like supplements? Like, yes. Yep. Supplements, okay, supplements are a good can thing. have a negative effect in surgery in mm -hmm. terms of blood, right? Yeah, absolutely. In terms of bleeding. Mm -hmm. right. So it's good to know for the surgeon to know what supplements your dog is on ahead of time. And some supplements need to be stopped a week or two before surgery as well. Also bring with you your dog's cone or bodysuit so that it can be put on them right after the surgery to protect the incision. Because once you've paid all that money for a surgery, you don't want your dog to rip open the incision and ruin it. <laughs> That's always fun. Yep. And also bring with you a copy of your records and any blood work, especially if you have been seeing multiple vets, just to be absolutely sure that the surgeon has all the most up-to-date information. And when you request that, are those records usually paper-based or are they electronic? It can vary. It used to always be paper-based, but more and more hospitals are starting to use email. And they'll fax records between hospitals, but usually giving it to owners, it'll either be a printout or they might send you an email. And when you ask for records, it's not just the, the veterinary notes, but also copies or, or, or electronic copies of x-rays and other uh, and other things that they've done so that that can be helpful for the vet the surgeon as well. Yep, you want all those goodies. And if blood work has been done recently or x-rays have been done recently at a different hospital, giving the surgeon that information means that they won't have to repeat those things that day. Because if your dog just had x-rays two days ago at your regular vet, why pay for more, pay for the same x-rays to be taken by the surgeon? 
Hey, Kate, this is really good information. Let's take a um, pause right here, take a break, and we'll be back with more tips. And now, a message from your dog. Every day with you is like a day at the beach, and I want as many beach days as possible. I want to run and sniff and find a good stick to carry. I want to roll in the grass and warm my belly in the sun. I want to walk with you, run with you, sleep with you, eat with you. And when I eat with you, I want Everpuff. The green, grassy, beef liver spike smell wakes my senses. You may not realize this, but it tastes like homemade gravy, especially when you wet it. It infuses any food you give me with health and life and vibrancy. I can feel it, Everpuff, traveling to every cell in my body, nourishing each one. It helps me feel like I'm on top of the world. I'm so glad you're giving it to me every day because every day I'm so glad to be with you. I wouldn't have it any other way. I want my Everpup. It just makes me feel good. I am so grateful to be your dog and for the Everpup you give me. So now that you know what your dog wants, get Everpup, the ultimate dog supplement. Everpup is available in select pet shops and on Amazon. But to get the best price possible, join the Everpup Club at everpupclub.com, where you'll get your first jar for just $8 with free shipping anywhere in the U.S. Go to everpupclub.com and use the discount code DPN. That is everpupclub.com. Everpup every day. If your dog has cancer, you need to get a copy of the best-selling animal health book, The Dog Cancer Survival Guide. Because no matter what you've heard, there are always steps that you can take to help your dog fight and maybe even beat cancer. At nearly 500 pages, this comprehensive guide is your complete reference for practical, evidence-based strategies that can optimize the life quality and longevity of your dog. It's written by two of the most respected names in dog cancer, full-spectrum veterinarian Damian Dressler and veterinary oncologist Susan Ettinger. With the Dog Cancer Survival Guide, you'll learn everything that you need to know about conventional treatments, surgery, chemotherapy, and radiation, including how to reduce their side effects. You'll also discover the most effective non-conventional options, including nutraceuticals and supplements and diet, as well as mind-body medicine. What I love most about this book, which I've used with my own dog, Kanga, when she was diagnosed with cancer, is how to analyze the options and develop a specific plan for your own dog based on your dog's type of cancer and your dog's age, your financial budget, as well as your personality. You can get the Dog Cancer Survival Guide wherever books are sold, but if you get it direct from the publisher, you will save 10% when you use the offer code, especially for listeners of this podcast. Just go to dogcancerbook.com, and when you check out, use the promo code PODCAST, and you will save 10%. The website again, dogcancerbook.com, and use the promo code PODCAST to save 10%. I want to let you know about an important newsletter. It's called Dog Cancer News. Now, with a name like that, it is not for everyone. But if your dog has cancer, you will want to subscribe. That's because every issue features articles that will be helpful, such as low-carb dog cancer diet recipes, new clinical trials, financial resources to help pay for cancer care, 
information on supplements, and lots of other helpful info that your veterinarian may not know or have the time to share with you. Also, when you subscribe to Dog Cancer News, you will get a weekly update on the topics covered on this podcast, along with links and resources. So how much does Dog Cancer News cost? Well, today, you can subscribe for free. It's our gift. For a limited time, you can get a full year's subscription for free. No strings attached. Just go to this website to sign up for the newsletter now, dogcancernews.com. It takes less than 10 seconds to subscribe, and it is totally free. Do it now at dogcancernews.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot... Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Do surgeons tend to plan out the surgery like the day of, or do they plan it before? Or I'm hoping that you'd say they don't just chop in and then figure out what's going on. They do do some <laughs> planning, right? Oh, yeah. They know what where the lump is that they're hoping to take out, unless, of course, it's an exploratory surgery. Exploratories are always a little bit of an adventure. And sometimes you may not know what's going to happen until you get in there. But they have a plan. And when your dog goes in and is put under anesthesia, the technician will shave the area around the incision. And this shaved area could be quite large. And you might look and be like, oh my God, why is half my dog bald when he's only got this three-inch incision? And that is so that we can have a sterile field to work on. Because hair can trap bacteria and dirt and debris and everything, all kinds of things that you don't want inside your dog's incision or inside their body. So shave the area and then do a scrub with a variety of antiseptics to get the skin as clean as possible. This is what the vet techs, this is what you had to do. So <laughs> yep. when you when you were making that large era, you weren't just redesigning the hairdo. There was a, there was a reason for the, the size of the, of the shaved area. Yes, yep. You want the surgeon's hands and tools to all be on a completely sterile field so that there isn't any risk of infection or contamination. And generally the hair grows back. Oh, yeah. It'll grow back. Might take a little while depending on the area. Sometimes the first time the hair grows back, the texture might be a little different or the color might be a little different. But usually the next time your dog goes through a shed cycle, it'll all go back to normal. Yeah. And don't worry, the other dogs won't make fun of it. <laughs> well, they might, but it's okay. They didn't get the, breakfast anyway. Yeah. <laughs> the other spot to expect to be shaved is on your dog's front leg where the catheter will be placed. And that, again, is for sterility because 
the technician or the veterinarian is going to be placing a catheter into your dog's vein. So you don't want bacteria or debris getting into the bloodstream. So shave that, we shave that area, scrub it up, and then place the catheter for that safety. Does the catheter usually go in the left or the right leg, or does it matter? Doesn't matter. It usually is based on preference of the person placing the catheter or um, how the dog happens to be laying <laughs> at the time or positioned in the kennel or on the floor, wherever they're working. Um, but if the surgery is being done on one of the front legs, usually the catheter will be placed in the opposite leg because you don't want the catheter to be in the way of the surgery. Awesome. What else do you have for us, Kate? So a common question that we'll get from some owners is, why can't I come in with my dog and stay with her until she's under and goes in the OR? And a large part of that is there's two big reasons that that can't be accommodated. One is safety and the other is privacy. For safety, it's a hospital. There are needles, there are sharp tools, there are drugs, some of which are controlled substances, and it is not safe for someone who's not trained to be hanging out in the vet hospital as everyone's trying to get their work done. Also, not all dogs are friendly. Not all dogs like going to the vet. So it's important to have trained personnel restraining the dogs and working with them to avoid, prevent anyone from getting bitten or hurt in another way. And on privacy, it's the privacy of other pets and owners. Um, some people are very stressed about their dog's medical problems and don't really want a ton of strangers looking at their pet not feeling good or watching their pet's surgery. So try to keep everything private and safe for everybody. Those are some good reasons. And things to expect for the end of the day, your, either the surgeon or the technician will go over the discharge instructions with you. So they'll tell you, go over exactly what happened, any medications that your dog needs to be on, if You've opted to send out a histopathology sample, so sending out either a biopsy chunk of the tumor or the entire tumor to the lab to be analyzed. They'll go over that with you and let you know when to expect results back. Usually results for a histo are going to take 7 to 10 business days because the tumor has to get to the lab. It needs to be chopped up and prepared, put on slides. They do a couple different stains to be able to observe different characteristics of the tissue. And then the pathologist has to write up that report and send it back to your vet. So they'll let you know when to expect those results. And they'll also go over the post-op care with you at that point. Always make sure that they give you a written copy of all of that. Because no matter how well we think we're paying attention, our dogs just your dog just had surgery. You're stressed. You're relieved that they made it through the procedure fine. You're not really paying attention. And mm -hmm. you're going to forget things. You're going to get home and get your dog out of the car and go, wait a minute, when am I supposed to give these medications? So always, they most vet clinics will just automatically give you a written copy of the discharge instructions. But always ask for a written copy if you aren't handed one so that you have all the information laid out and know which medications need to be given when, how long your dog needs to be on leash walks only or restricted activity, and when to expect 
different things to happen through the recovery process. Let's talk a little bit about when you do pick up your dog and they go back after they've given you all this information and they go back and they present your dog. You're a little anxious. You're just like, I just want to see my dog. And then they bring you this animal that looks a lot different. Maybe the tongue's hanging out. What are some of the things that if you've never had a dog under anesthesia that, that you can look forward to uh, when, when you see your dog? Yep. Different dogs handle anesthesia differently. Certainly, usually young, healthy dogs go through anesthesia, no problem. Some dogs after a spare neuter are bouncing out the door, ready to go play. And it's like nothing happened. Trying to keep those quiet through the healing period is a nightmare. <laughs> but older dogs or dogs with a lot of health problems, they're usually not feeling too great afterward. I mean, they just had anesthesia and sur a big surgery. So of course, they're not going to feel their best. They'll often be a little groggy. They may stumble. And once you get home, get them home, they're probably going to take a nice bit long nap. Because even though most of the day at the vet hospital for a surgery is hanging out in a cage or a kennel, it's not good rest. Like no one, no dog is really truly relaxed hanging out in the vet hospital. So they're going to want to catch up on some sleep at home. <laughs> and they can be a little loopy too. I mean, depending on the anesthesia and again, how your dog tolerates it. Uh, I, I've seen my dogs both a little loopy and Mm -hmm. There's no other way to describe it than pissed off. Like, <laughs> everything was fine, Dad. And then what did you do? And I, I've gotten the cold shoulder more than <laughs> once after bringing my dog in for a, a, a surgical procedure. Oh, yeah. Definitely some of them hold a grudge. My oldest dog, when she got spayed, she was 13 years old, which is kind of a long roundabout story, but she was not happy with us. And she was cranky for a good three to four days. And then she decided right. that maybe she could forgive us. Yeah. Um, my so, younger so dog was ready to go after her procedure. And I actually got a call to come pick her up early because she was barking and driving everyone nuts. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least she didn't have fleas. Uh, so it really is dependent on the dog and I guess the dog's disposition. But if you think your dog might be that way just come go in aware because that seems to be a an important thing versus being shocked like is this not the dog that i dropped off yeah the majority of them are pretty tired and a little groggy right after surgery and usually they'll sleep a lot that first night the next day they're usually feeling a lot better and usually by day two or three after the surgery they're pretty much back to themselves and they'll forgive you Mm -hmm, absolutely. <laughs> Even if they do have to wear the cone of shame. Yep. Any other tips for the day of to ensure success? That's pretty much it. Just being prepared with your paperwork. Um, find out what the timeline of the day is going to look like so that you know what to expect and when to expect a call. Have any medications and blood work results with you when you arrive and bring your cone, the cone or the bodysuit so that your dog already has that when the surgery is over. Awesome. Kate Baysdow, thank you so much for being with us. And thank you for joining us today for Dog Cancer Answers. This is part two of our series on surgery. Part three, Kate will 
go through the things that you can do to ensure success after surgery. So please join us for that episode of Dog Cancer Answers. And please check out our entire back catalog of podcasts and videos. You can find that on our website at dogcanceranswers.com. Of course, in the show notes for today's episode, there are lots of helpful links and useful resources that you can find. But one of the ones that I want to call your attention to is our private Facebook community, where there are a lot of dog lovers going through the process of helping their dog with cancer. And it's an amazing support group, um, highly vetted, and uh, let's just say well-moderated. And I encourage you to check out that. It is an amazing group. And of course, it's free. Just go uh, to the web. You can type in the URL dogcancersupport.com and it'll take you there or just do a search inside of Facebook for dog cancer support. Please also subscribe to our newsletter at dogcancernews.com and you will get three times a week newsletters that help you deal with this process and help your dog through the process of dog cancer. I want to thank you for joining us today on Dog Cancer Answers. I'm James Jacobson on behalf of everyone here at Dog Podcast Network. Thank you for joining us and I wish you and your dog a very warm aloha. Thank you for listening to Dog Cancer Answers. If you'd like to connect, please visit our website at dogcanceranswers.com or call our listener line at 808-868-3200. And here's a friendly reminder that you probably already know. This podcast is provided for informational and educational purposes only. It's not meant to take the place of the advice you receive from your dog's veterinarian. Only veterinarians who examine your dog can give you veterinary advice or diagnose your dog's medical condition. Your reliance on the information you hear on this podcast is solely at your own risk. If your dog has a specific health problem, contact your veterinarian. Also, please keep in mind that veterinary information can change rapidly. Therefore, some information may be out of date. Dog Cancer Answers is a presentation of Maui Media in association with Dog Podcast Network. Is artificial intelligence going to change veterinary medicine? Well, it already has. Right now on Dog Cancer Answers, we're speaking with Dr. Kelly Deal of Morris Animal Foundation about how AI is impacting veterinary research and the practice of medicine itself. That's on Dog Cancer Answers. Get it wherever you get your podcasts or at dogcancer.com slash podcast.